Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Ooh, that is loud. My name is Mark. I'm the discipleship pastor here at New Life, and I'm so excited that all of you decided to come out here and join us today. Before we jump in too deep, I do want to give a disclaimer. Pastor Chris told us last week that if you have young kids and you don't want to discuss certain words with them, that this probably isn't the service to have them in. So if you have kids who are from birth through eight, fifth grade and you would want to send them back to the children's ministry area at this time, that's perfectly appropriate. Honestly, if they're above fifth grade and probably younger, the subject matter they know about and they've discussed with friends anyway, and it would be better for you to discuss it with them than their friends too. Um, if you are here for the very first time, this morning will be, as Pastor Chris said last service, a little bit more intense um, than maybe some of our services here, but we always try to do two things. We try to speak the truth and we try to speak the truth in love here at New Life. That's what I'm going to seek to do with us, but we're so excited that you decided to come out and join us. We're so excited that you're here. For the past several weeks, we've been in a series, and actually next week we're going to close up that series, and the series is called Breakthrough. And we've been talking specifically about breakthroughs through things that are inside of our bodies, our souls, and our spirits. Now, Pastor Chris kicked off this series over the last two weeks talking about an intro and and then our bodies. And he pointed out that the soul specifically, which is what we're going to discuss this morning, is the seed of our will, our emotions, and our thoughts. He also said that the body, which he talked about last week, and if you missed it, you can check it out online at newlifexn.org. The body is rooted and has parts in both the soul and the spirit. And likewise, the soul and the spirit cannot be separated, or the soul cannot be separated from the body or the spirit. And in fact, it has a dramatic effect on both of those things, and it is affected by both the strongholds that we find in our body and the strongholds that we find in our spirit. The way that it affects it is this. These strongholds in our soul often manifest themselves in our physical beings. So we oftentimes have strongholds or sin issues in the way that we think and the way that we feel, but we see those things come out in the way that we live and the decisions that we make with our physical bodies. In like way, our spirit, which is the part of us that connects with the Holy Spirit and desires to have a relationship with God. See, when our minds and wills are oppressed by sin, it can cripple our spirit's ability to connect with God and communicate with the Holy Spirit. Our spirit is affected by the strongholds of our soul. And next week when Pastor Brad closes out our series, which I really encourage you to be here when he talks about the spirit, he has some really incredible stuff and some really useful things next week to share with us. We'll also see that the spirit has a dramatic effect on both the body and the soul as well, because when we can't communicate with God, it has a dramatic effect on the rest of our lives. So today I'm going to address strongholds of the soul and I'm not going to be able to address all of them because there's a lot of people in this room. And because these strongholds find their place rooted in the way that we think and the way that we feel, we have as many strongholds in this room as there are people in this room. So instead today I'm going to do two things. I'm going to seek to tell my story. I'm going to tell you about the strongholds of my soul that I've faced and the ways that I've pursued breakthrough. And then I'm also going to give you three steps that I believe God lays out for us from his word when it comes to pursuing the breakthrough of the soul. Before we get to any of that, I'm going to look at today's take-home point, which is going to have to do with these three steps, which we're going to find out about at the end of the message. But our take-home point is the one point that my message will hinge upon. It's the one point I hope that you'll take home with you and live out in the coming week that I'll take home with me and live out in the coming week as well, and it's this. I will get honest, get help, and get serious to break 
the strongholds of my soul this week. Those three steps that you see outlined in our take-home point, we'll go back to at the end of the service, so don't worry, that doesn't make sense now, but it will by the end of our time together today. I want to look at today's scripture focus, which comes to us from the book of the Romans, from the Apostle Paul's writing in chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. There it says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, knew one thing, that the way that we think will have a dramatic impact on us. It will have a dramatic impact on our souls. It has a dramatic impact on our spirits. It has an impact on our physical bodies. In fact, when we think wrongly, it oftentimes hurts those around us and ourselves. When we think wrongly, it oftentimes hurts those around us and it hurts ourselves. I can give you a couple of examples of this. So one of those examples uh, you may have experienced, you might experience people who think wrongly, because you might have experienced someone who thinks wrongly about you, right? They have an assumption about you or an opinion about you that's not who you really are. Maybe you wronged them in some way by accident, and you apologized, and they didn't receive that apology very well. They think wrongly about you, and therefore it affects their physical life as they refuse to build a relationship with you, perhaps, or maybe it's you experience someone who thinks wrongly about themselves. They believe that there's something that they aren't. Whether they believe there's something horrible and wretched and terrible and you know that's not true or they think too highly of themselves and they think that they're the center of the universe. Perhaps these same people that you've encountered may have the wrong opinion or knowledge about God. They think wrongly about their creator and maybe they think he doesn't exist or that he doesn't care. He's a cosmic force uh, he's, he's the doctor of time, or he has a big white beard, and he sits up in his throne room and uses his magnifying glass to burn ants. I don't know what people you've encountered, but we all encounter people who think wrongly, and that dramatically impacts the way we live the rest of our lives. In fact, when we think wrongly, it has the ability drastically change our life for the negative. When we think correctly, and we find the right things, and we don't go into these soul strongholds and we don't build them into our lives. It has the ability to give us freedom on this side of eternity, that we can live in a relationship with our creator. We can live in a relationship with God. Selfishness runs rampant in our culture and it's one of those sin strongholds that we're gonna be talking about today. Because see, we weren't created to be selfish. We were created to be selfless. We were created to serve each other, serve creation and serve God. And those things were created to serve us back. When we begin to think that everything is about ourselves and we get an inflated sense of who we are, we end up hurting others. And then by extension, eventually hurting ourselves. Another thing that's rampant throughout our culture is anxiety. And maybe you're somebody who identifies as being an anxious person, but I encounter more and more people and honestly more and more kids who claim that they have an anxiety issue. And I've sat beside people as they've had anxiety attacks. And it's funny because I'll sit and talk to them and not being someone who's overly anxious myself, it's hard to understand. But something that I've come to find out is that when you talk to someone who's in the midst of an anxiety attack, they can oftentimes go through the rational thought process of saying that nothing that they're feeling and the way that they're acting and the way that they're thinking isn't true. 
It's, it's, it's not true, but those rational thought patterns don't help free them from the torment of these overwhelming emotions because there's a stronghold in something deeper inside their soul. See, some of us have some of these strongholds that we're able to mask better than others, sometimes anger, pride, jealousy, anxiety, sometimes even depression can be masked so that other people won't see them because they don't come into our physical lives real often. But there's oftentimes soul strongholds that are diagnosed as physical ones that aren't really. Sometimes those are things like addictions with pornography or drugs or alcohol, suicidal thoughts, tendencies, or attempts. See, we see some things that come out, they're soul strongholds that invest themselves and they embed themselves in the way that we think and the way that, they, the way that we feel. And because we feel and we think wrongly, it affects our physical lives. But sometimes we look at those things and we begin to believe that they're physical strongholds when in fact their roots are a stronghold of the soul. The truth is physical strongholds and strongholds are the soul are different and they must be approached differently. They are different and they must be approached differently. And so today, I'm going to tell you part of my story. And through part of my story, we're then going to look at three steps that I believe God has given us to find breakthrough in our souls. So this portion of my story starts whenever I was a kid. I was in fifth grade at the time, and I ride the school bus back and forth every day to Freedom Area High School from the middle of nowhere in New Swickley. And I would ride the bus every day, and I grew up without many friends. So when a new kid got transferred to school, that was sort of exciting to me. So this kid, Joe, got transferred to our school, and he rode my bus. I soon found out that not only did he live just a couple cornfields away from me, because that's how we measure distance in New Squickly is by cornfields, um, but that in addition to that, he loved Pokemon. Now, I loved Pokemon as well. I got into it with Joe, and each day uh, at sixth grade, we would bring our Game Boys, the big gray ones that only moved in four directions and took four uh, AA batteries that died within like the first 35 minutes of playing on them. And each day, we would take our Game Boys, and we'd pull them out of our backpack, and we would battle the Elite Four at the end of the game and race to see who could do it the fastest. And we'd bring this link cable, which was a rare commodity when you were in the 90s. The kid who had the link cable was a popular kid. I had the link cable. And so we would trade Pokemon back and forth with our link cable. It was state-of-the-art technology. Now, if, like me, you grew up in the 90s and you also hit puberty way later than the rest of your classmates, um, then you might feel like these are really nostalgic memories. If not, you may feel like they're confusing memories and you never experienced them. And That's okay. That's not the point. The point is, this is what I was into as a fifth and sixth grader. On top of that, there was a new pop star that had just come across the scene. This new pop star's name was Britney Spears. Now, Britney Spears was the object of a lot of boyhood fantasies because she dressed in rather skimpy clothes that, to be honest with you, is rather modest according to Miley, Sa Miley Cyrus standards. Um, but we thought it was awesome. And so we all had this fascination with Britney Spears, and she became the object of a lot of, you know, boyhood crushes. I knew that I was liking girls for the first time. They weren't as icky. They didn't have cooties. Uh, they didn't like me back, but I at least knew that I liked them, and I at least liked the Britney Spears pop star kind. <laughs> Which leads me to the next point. As I was leading into these boyhood fantasies, innocent things of pop stars that I would see on TV, which was only on my friend's TV because we didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch her or anything like that at my house. I only had like Spider-Man at my house, which 
awesome. But, uh, but I, would, I would watch these things at my friends' houses. One of the things that was different about when I grew up than when previous generations had grown up was previously if you were a middle school boy and you had these boyhood fantasies, the furthest that you could pursue them was one in a couple places. Usually, you know, it was the bikini-clad pinup model in your dad's garage, right, where he put up this bikini model while he worked on his cars. Or maybe it was that uncle that wasn't married and kept magazines that you weren't allowed to look at underneath of his bed. But other than that, there really wasn't much other place to pursue it. And on top of that, the terminology that other kids used, you had to ask your parents about. But something changed in my generation because when I was about fifth or sixth grade, the internet was becoming a household item for the very first time. Now, the internet had been something kind of strange, and we knew it was coming, but we didn't really know what it was all about. But it, it bragged about having limitless information. You could go anywhere. And so dial-up internet, horribly slow, terrible internet, took up your phone line, made your parents mad, became a part of households across America, including mine and my friend Joe's. And I remember one day, and I'll never forget it, on the back of the bus, there was this uh, older kid, and because, you know, we sat accordingly, young kids up front to the old kids in the back, and so I was in middle school, I was somewhere in between, and a couple of rows back, I overheard something that piqued my interest, unlike anything that had piqued my interest in math class or science class that day, which was this guy knew of a website that you could go to where you could see a picture of Britney Spears naked. Now, that was very interesting to me as a sixth grade boy, as you could likely think that it would be. And I don't want to make light of it. I was a Christian at the time. I had been a Christian since I was eight. I knew that Jesus was interested in me going to heaven and not going to hell. But I didn't really know yet that Jesus was interested in my life here and now. In my opinion, Jesus was only really interested in my eternal destination. He didn't really care as much about what I was doing. And so I went over to, my, went over to Joe's house that day after school. I walked across the cornfields and we booted up the old gateway machine and after we booted it up, we waited for the dialed-up internet to connect and probably made a pizza, played a game of chess, painted a wall, watched it dry. Once the internet had connected, we looked for the website. And unfortunately, that day we found it. And as two rather innocent sixth-grade boys, we were curious. We were curious. But it was that day that my thinking began to be transformed. Now, what we found was really nothing more than some poor girl's body. Someone had hacked like a Britney Spears head off of a magazine and copy-cut it and pasted it on top of her head in Microsoft Word and then threw it online. So it wasn't anything to ogle at. But for me, it began to change the way that I thought. And lies started creeping into my head. I began to think wrongly. I began to think very consciously that I could go home and I could have awkward conversations with my parents about the bird and the bees, uh, or uh, I could have awkward conversations about what my friends meant when they said certain words, but they had older brothers and sisters, and so I didn't understand any of the words they were using, or, or the words the kids that used at the back of the bus. I, I was really uncertain about what words those were, and I could go home and ask my mom, but that would be a really awkward conversation. Or there's this world out there called the internet now, and it has limitless information. So all the things that I don't know about, I could go there and find out. Now, I wish that I could tell you that I left at Joe's house that day, and, you know, I felt guilty, and I came home and admitted it to my mom, and I repented to God, and my life turned around, and I never went back there, but that simply isn't my story. Instead, that day, my life changed because I began to understand sexuality and specifically intimacy through the lens of pornography. 
and my life forever changed. Now, through the rest of middle school and then into high school, this thing began to plague and become a more consistent part of my life. What started off as curiosity, what started off as research, frankly, had started to turn into more of a secret. And this secret began to grow and get uglier. Now, I went to the church at the time, and I was consistent there. I went to youth group. I went to church every week, and I loved my youth group. But I never really let on what was actually going on in my life. I never really let on how deep these secrets went. I knew what I was doing was wrong. And honestly, the church was perfectly okay with telling me what I was doing was wrong. I just didn't know how to stop. See, I knew I was wrong. I just didn't know what to do. And I bought into another lie. The other lie that I bought into was actually twofold. The first part of that lie was that God could forgive me, but that other people couldn't. So I couldn't tell anybody. The other lie was that if I kept this thing a secret, that I would be able to handle it on my own. And frankly, no one would have to know these embarrassing things about myself and it could stay a secret forever. But the things about secrets is this. If we make them stay as secrets, they don't ever get better. They just get more rooted in our hearts. And these things just consistently got more and more rooted in my soul. And soon I found it more and more difficult to break free of it. And I was so embarrassed. I felt dirty. I felt guilty. I felt unworthy. I felt like a hypocrite. And in many cases, I was a hypocrite. And honestly, still am today. If you're a Christian and not a hypocrite, that kind of goes part of the bag. So I felt like a hypocrite, and I was, but in a much truer sense, I was really in need of help. And God wanted to help me. just didn't know how to get there. And so as this secret continued to solidify itself into my soul, I went into college, and that's when I began to recognize that things had gotten out of hand. You see, the mobile market had come up big because cell phones started coming out, and now we had smartphones. And the pornography industry has always been on the cutting edge of whatever technology is out there. They've always been right there. And so as the pornography was on the cutting edge of the mobile market, they were one of the first websites to begin making a transition from a desktop browser to a mobile browser. So you could have access to their sites directly on your phone at your fingertips at all times. Then social media burst onto the scene. Now MySpace was a big thing, but Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, all of these things started to become big deals. And pornography marketers found a new marketing tool in social media. But the thing that was more devastating to my life than any of those things was that I stopped feeling guilty. I just started feeling numb. Quite frankly, I stopped caring. I bought into yet another lie, and that lie was this, that God did not want to help me. That Jesus was not interested in freeing me from this. That this would be my secret for the rest of my life. That I would never find freedom for this. Paul had a thorn in his side, the Bible tells me. And so this would be the thorn in my side. This would be the struggle that I would never overcome. I just needed to embrace it. And as I embraced it, my lifestyle changed. And an addiction formed. And my lifestyle warped around it. And I began to organize my life around these secrets that I kept, that I was terrified that anybody else would know. And if you deal with soul strongholds in here like me, then likely you also have secrets. 
And likely you've also been to a point where after fighting for too long and feeling that there will be no relief, that you've quit feeling guilt and you've started feeling numb. Whether that's with anger or alcoholism, depression, pride, or like me in my heart, the problem was lust. You see, for me, suddenly my brain had shifted. The brain of an addict looks different than the brain of other people who are not addicted to things. Because the brain has a way of remapping itself. See, when it experiences pleasure, it activates other neural connectors in the brain and it shuts down other ones. And so my brain began to shut down the neural connectors that would activate whenever I would experience real intimacy. And my brain began to understand intimacy through the lens of pornography. And so because this not only was entrenched in my habits, but it also became entrenched in my brain. And it was literally changing the physical makeup of my brain and the way that my brain worked. I became desperate. I wish someone had talked to me. I wish someone had told me. I wish as a sixth grader, I had been honest. I wish as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, that I would have been honest. I wish someone would have told me that the things that I was participating in, the secrets that I was keeping, the stuff that I was keeping from everybody because I thought it was too dark and too ugly to bring into the rest of the world would destroy my life. I wish someone had told me that I wouldn't just carry these burdens, not just with me now, but they would carry forward with me into the way I built relationships. It would be part of my marriage that my life would forever be changed. I wish someone had just told me. I didn't know the stakes were so high. I had warped my God-given sense of sexuality. My body processed intimacy completely different than it should have. My intimacy now lived in a fantasy that would never fulfill me and always destroy me. I lost something. And it was only through breakthrough in my life that God has been able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to begin building those things back into me and to retrain my brain to think right and to feel correctly. And if you're with me on the journey of breakthrough through any soul stronghold, you know that it just isn't over one day, but it's a lifelong pursuit, and so will mine. But today, I get to live in victory instead of living in defeat. And for the rest of today, I'm going to tell you why. You see, there are three actions that God has given us to overcome the soul strongholds in our lives and to live in freedom on the other side of breakthrough. The first one is this, get honest. And this one has two parts. See, until we turn to God and realize that without the Holy Spirit, we are helpless against our strongholds, we do not stand a chance. I experienced breakthrough as a college student. One night I got down on my hands and knees and I begged for God to free me because I was willing to do anything. It had destroyed my life. It had destroyed the lives of people whom I loved. It had forever changed their trajectory and I was sick and tired of it plaguing who I was. So it was time for me to get honest with myself that I could not do this alone anymore. This wasn't able to be a secret anymore. I had to take this thing seriously. And the first step for that for me 
was to ask the Holy Spirit to come into my life and change me because I was helpless against it. See, I had a need, a need. I needed things like I needed food and water and sleep. I felt like I couldn't break free from these things. And I needed the Holy Spirit to come into my life and break my need. And that's what he did. So one night, I was one way, and the next day, I was different. I thought I had been freed from everything, but my experience is, is that although God does what we cannot do, he does expect us to do what we can do. And over the next several months and even years, I had to take steps into further and further obedience. So God had broken my need for my soul's stronghold, and he had broken down its initial walls. But there was still a lot of uprooting and tearing down that I had left to do. And through years, God has walked with me as I've experienced progressively more and more breakthroughs as I have worked towards freedom. But one of the parts of that, and this part is the other part of getting honest. The first part of getting honest is getting honest with yourself and getting honest with your creator. But you need to get honest with someone else. It's also going to tie into our next point. But I want to let you know today that we're going to give you access to something that maybe you haven't had access to before. Today on your connection card, at the bottom, there's a section for prayer concerns. Secrets are going to destroy your life. They just are. It's not in honor or a high and mighty tower of being a private person that doesn't push your feelings on other people. That's an excuse to allow secrets to destroy your life. Secrets will destroy your life. And until we break that secrecy, we cannot hope to have breakthrough. And so today, I'm going to give you the opportunity at the end of service to take your connection card and write your secret down at the bottom of the prayer concerns. Don't put your name on it if you don't want to. You're perfectly okay to leave it anonymous. Tomorrow, some of us are gonna get together and we're gonna look through all of these anonymous secrets and we're gonna pray for them. Just so you know that you have taken the first step, even though you don't know who you're telling and you're not putting your name on it, you're taking that very first step to breaking the tyranny of secrets in your life, which is the core and the heart of soul strongholds. Whether it's something that you've done or something that has been done to you, I encourage you to take the first step today in getting honest. This is seen really clearly in the Bible. It's seen in Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 11. It says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. No, you are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Without the Holy Spirit living in our mortal bodies, we do not hope to break soul-centered strongholds. Our second step is this, get help. Our soul strongholds can only find breakthrough inside of relationships with others. The next step to breaking these secrets, the core of our strongholds in our souls, is to talk to people. 
to talk to people, to find support. You see, my stuff got so solidified in my soul and then etched into my brain whenever I began to think that I couldn't tell my family, my brother, my pastors, my friends, that nobody could know how deep or dark this thing went. I would let on a little bit, but I wouldn't really ever be honest. You need to find people to be honest with. We cannot overcome the strongholds of our souls or the sins that embed themselves in the way that we think and feel without other people. This is about being in community. This is why the local church is so important. The local church isn't so important so that you have a place to go on Sunday morning. The local church is important because you have other followers of Jesus that you can build relationships with that can help you overcome the things in your life. It's community. And when we come here and we just exist here and we show up and we leave, we never build community with the people who are here. We miss out on such a big part of what the church is. We miss out on this huge thing from the Bible called confession. Now, confession might come from a background that you're unfamiliar with or uncomfortable with, but it actually comes from the Bible, and we can find it in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed together, or the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We need each other because we were not created to do life alone. The last one is get serious. Get serious. The big question with get serious is this one. Who do you want to please? You see, because I thought that because I had experienced a breakthrough, that that was all that I really needed. The Holy Spirit had come into my life, and I was free, but that wasn't the case. The Holy Spirit had broken my need for my soul strongholds. However, I needed to be persistent in growing in obedience to the power of Jesus in my life to experience many more breakthroughs in the months and years to come. Once again, I didn't know how deep this stuff went, but I did know that I needed God in me to break through these things. And so the question is, who do you want to please? Because you see, if we want to please other people, if we want to please our friends, our family, our kids, our parents, then it's easy to hide these strongholds. It's easy to let them remain a secret because we think we're being selfish and we're pretending to be selfless, right? We're pretending to be selfless by not hurting them with the secrets in our own lives. If we want to please ourselves, it's easy to indulge in these strongholds, once again, keeping them a secret so that nobody can tell us to stop. However, if the answer is that we want to please God, that we want to have a relationship with our creator, that means everything goes on the table. You see, for me at one point, this meant that everything had to be on the table. Everything I was willing to offer up, everything willing to offer up outside of my relationship with God himself in Jesus Christ, if there was something else, God could have it, which is why I'm here today. Quite frankly, I don't want to talk about the inner darkness of my heart over the years in front of 900 people. It's not ultra appealing to me, but I know that there are other people here who are dealing with my same darkness and people who are dealing with other darknesses who have kept them at secrets. And I know that the more people who know my heart and know my secrets, the less power those secrets have inside my life. So I'm able to wager embarrassment, my job, anything in order to break free, anything, because I do not want to live under the tyranny of my soul any longer. I want to be free, and I hope that you want to be free, but to be free, we have to take it seriously, because there are things in our lives that must be removed. 
We must make dramatic moves in order to cut these soul strongholds out, to weaken their walls, to destroy their foundations, and to tear it down in our lives. And part of that is getting honest with people, but part of it is also taking this seriously. And there's no passage that takes it more seriously than Jesus' own words in the book of Matthew chapter five. It says, so your eye, even your good eye, causes you to, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, if I took that literally, I would have no limbs and no eyes. It would be very difficult to preach. But the principle is the same. Jesus takes sin very seriously. And there are things in our lives that we must remove. So, for example, for me, I knew it was better for me to have no social media than to have 100,000 Twitter followers with me in hell. For many of you, it is better for you to not go to the bar than to have all the memories with your friends with you in hell. I don't know what needs to be removed from your life, but I know how easy it is to justify things that aren't sin, but that reinforce our secrets and our strongholds. I know how easy it is to look at this guy or this girl and say, this is okay for them, so it must be okay for me, and allow that thing to continue to solidify secrets and strongholds that I'm striving to overcome. I know for me, I have to cut out everything that surrounds my stronghold. I have to remove all all of it, because until I can do a battle with the stronghold in my soul, I need to remove the things that tempt me and influence me to help build up its walls. Because the truth of the matter is, oftentimes with our soul strongholds, we spend less time tearing down the walls and more time helping them build them. We need to begin taking it seriously to cut the things out of our lives. That thing we know is a nagging in the back of our heads. I preached this yesterday. I went home last night and I got rid of a video game. I had to because God had been nagging me in the back of my head. Mark, this isn't sin. Mark, there's nothing wrong with this. But for you, it's too much. For you, you can't handle it. For you, you have to give it away. And so you have to cut things out. Here's the principle. We must stop justifying things that reinforce our soul strongholds just because we like them. We must be willing to wager and put everything on the table. And when we are, the Holy Spirit has the chance to do a mighty work in our lives and break down those strongholds that exist in our souls in the way that we think and in the way that we feel. Get honest, get help, and get serious. These three principles and steps are not easy. I wish there were three easier ones. I wish I'd have come to you today and we had a nice friendly passage about, I don't know, some fun Bible story and it gave you three easy ways to stop the things that are destroying our lives. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But the result is worth it. The goal what we gain from doing these things is worth it because what we gain is freedom. Imagine. Imagine what it would be like to not live under the tyranny of your soul stronghold anymore. Imagine to be just what it would be to live without depression, to, to live without anger, to live without pride that's preventing you from building relationships, to live 
without lust. To live without another drink, without another hit. Imagine what it would be like to live without those strongholds in your life any longer. Which brings us to today's commitment. I will live in freedom. This commitment is not tied to a timeline. Most of our commitments say in the week ahead. We're not tying this to a timeline. Because honestly, it will take much longer than a week, most likely, for you to even identify the strongholds that are in your soul. Because some of them exist in your physical body and you want to treat them there. But you don't realize that these things that you're doing physically actually have their root in the way that you think, in the way that you feel. I wish that all of us could get serious. I wish that all of us could get honest. I I wish that we could all get help this week and it would be over with. But the truth of the matter is that this is probably a journey that we need to take with us and the Holy Spirit and with another grouping of Christians, or at least another Christian, who can walk along with us into a journey towards breakthrough and ultimately towards freedom. So as we're closing today, let's pray. Let's pray for that reality in all of our lives that we will no longer in time have to live under the tyranny and the oppression of our souls. Father God, I thank you for today. And I thank you for those of you, those who are in this room, Lord. I thank you that you brought them here. I thank you that you had purpose for them, God. I thank you that you had intention for them, Father. I do ask, God, that you would just open my heart. You would open our lives, Father, that we would be willing to offer up all things, wager all things to be free, to be free, that we might get the opportunity in this life, this side of eternity, to live in freedom with you. Pray these things in your name. Amen.